Welcome to MVC Weekly. I'm Scott Puros. With me is Ken Canoon. Hello, everybody. And Jacob Urish. Hello, hello. Uh, today we're going to be covering men's basketball, what happened this past week. Uh, to start off, we're going to talk about Illinois State. So up to this point, Illinois State is 4-5. and five. They're 1-0 in conference after beating Missouri State. So this week they started off with a win over Missouri State. I was at that game, and that was a heck of a game. It went to overtime, and... The first half, and really much of the second half, Gage Prim really really was owning Illinois State. He got pretty much anything he wanted. I think in the game, I have what he shot in the game. He shot 13 of 15 from the field against Illinois State. But this might sound crazy. At the end of that game, Cy Chapman did his job. Prim was getting really physical, especially at the end of that game. And I, if you were there, the fans were not happy. It seemed like he was getting away with a lot of stuff, some people thought, but... Like, him and Chapman were on the ground every possession, every on both sides. They were just together on the ground. And I think Chapman, the way he played at the end of the game, really gave Illinois State the energy they needed to win that game. Uh, yeah, I mean, side Chapman, like, in the box score, 3 of 9, uh, 10 points, I believe. Uh, nothing too spectacular, but if you, you going off what you said, if he was being physical with Gage Prim and engaging him, that's always, that's always something you want to see. Um, like you said, touching on Gage Prim, 13 to 15, 27 and 12. What a remarkable game. That's that is some crazy numbers and we talked about him on the beginning of the first podcast how he was one of the one-two punch guys for Missouri State. So, um he definitely showed up at uh 79-74. That's a good win uh against the uh, Missouri State for the Redbirds. Yeah, I I also want to bring up Josiah Strong because uh, I think that probably well, this is definitely his best game of the year. He shot 7 to 12, 21 points. Uh he really was the spark for them. Uh, Antonio Reeves also had 21-6, and six, but without Josiah Strong, I think he made, what, four or five threes? Like he, and I think one or two of them were really clutch in the last minutes or so of, uh, I think, regulation, right, in the fourth? Yeah, so at the end of that game, so I would say during the, most of the regulation, it was strong. Uh, at the end of regulation, he did make the big three like you were talking about um, to get him closer, and then Reeves hit the three to tie it. What you need to understand is in overtime, Antonio Reeves scored the first seven points for ISU. He took over. He hit a three, drove to lane, hit a floater, drove again, hit a floater. He just took over. I don't know. So them two, if they can do that more consistently, that's going to be hard to stop because the way Josiah Strong took over in regulation and, and, to, and he just passed it over to Reeves to take over in overtime was something special. It was a huge win for them. I think that's part of uh, what we've been talking about is just having that uh, like having an extra guy step up because we we know Reeves is like we've talked about before he's gonna get at least 15 points a game that's that's just who he is but who else is going to at- contribute we've seen Mark Freeman do it a, uh, a couple times we've seen Chapman do it a couple times we've seen we see Josiah Strong he, he's capable of doing it uh, but with the next game we're gonna talk about with them re- they didn't really have anyone who did step up versus Jackson State. Yeah, like you talked about with Reeves. I mean, he is averaging over 20 a game right now, which is pretty special. I mean, and then you do have Chapman over 15. Freeman has 11.7. Strong has 10.9. Then everyone else is below double digits. But we can move on to their next game, Jackson State. We were talking about this beforehand. I went to that game. It was pretty frustrating because most of the game they were letting Jackson State stick around. And I think that there were definitely moments where they could have pulled away, but then they just made silly errors or something like that. In the game, they shot 34% from the field, which is pretty bad. In the first half, though, they didn't shoot that bad. It was the second half when they shot 6 of 25 from the field and 1 of 13 from 3. They shot 90% f- 
from three in the game. So once again, their first half stats really weren't that bad. But when you go six of 25 and one of 13 and a half of basketball, you're not going to have a whole lot of success. Yeah, just from looking at the box. You said you were at the game, so things might be different. But just looking at the box score, no one had an efficient like, game. Like, it, no, not it, at all. It looks really bad. And something else, um, points off turnovers. Jackson State had 25 points off turnovers compared to Illinois State's six points off turnovers. Yeah, um, Ill- this was a very avoidable loss for Illinois State. Uh, and just an overall really bad loss. Like, this is a Jackson State is a team that should not be putting up a fight to Illinois State. I would definitely agree on that. And uh, bring up the turnovers again. So they had 17 total turnovers. And like you said, they have what, 25, 26 points off of those turnovers? Yeah, 25 points off turnovers. And as a team, as in, uh, Illinois State only had nine assists. Like, I talked about it last podcast. Their turnover to assist ratio has been terrible i believe right now they rank eighth i think they moved up a tad they're only averaging uh 11 assists a game to almost 15 turnovers they just have to take care of the ball more like that that's how you lose those types of games just turning the ball over unnecessarily that lead to easy points and they shot 19 for 28 from the free throw line which is all lately lost by six so you're giving up free chances at the charity stripe you gotta make those but I, I think one thing that is reassuring about that, they're attacking the basket, they're getting those easy opportunities, they're putting them in foul trouble. It's just that this game, they didn't execute as much as they needed to. And one thing I want to talk about, uh, we like I said, we talked about this beforehand. They had, Jackson State had Chance Moore. He was, that's who I was thinking of here. Chance Moore in the game had 13 points on 5 of 11 shooting. Those are misleading stats because I'm pretty sure he started off 4 or 4 from the field and like 3 of them were 3s and he just, the crowd was silent. He got thrown out because he got a second technical of the game and I was like, okay, this is Illinois State's chance to take over now. Except the complete opposite happened and that's kind of when Illinois State fell flat and then Jackson State took off from there. But, I, like you said, that's, that's a game that's definitely winnable and it's a tough loss, but... They got to bounce back. They have Chicago State on Saturday, November 11th, and then after that they will have Ball State before I believe they travel to Wisconsin over Christmas break, which will be a tough game. But we can move on to Missouri State now, the team who Illinois State played. And as Ken stated, uh, Gage Prim had a monster game, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 13 of 15 from the field. He did have six turnovers, but as a team, Missouri State shot 46% in that game. Only 28% from three, which is a little tough there. And then they had 80, 83% on free throws. One thing that stood out to me is we talk, we, we've talked about this a lot over the podcast, is who's going to step up. And typically, Illinois State's bench struggles. But in that game, Illinois State's bench had, I believe it was 30, yeah, 31 bench points compared to 19 from Missouri State, which is a huge help for Illinois State. Because if you can have that, and I think a big part of that was Josiah Strong, because he did come off the bench that game, which might be something we see in the future. But... Like I said, that's a big win for Illinois State, and that's a tough loss for Missouri State. Yeah, and um, just Missouri State, 4-4 uh, four and four so far in the season. I think we're going to touch on the BYU game next, yeah. following up. But just, this is, like, we thought Missouri State was going to be, I think, a top three team. Or I think they, they were, were up there. They fourth. were, I think yeah, three or fourth. third or fourth, but... Four and four so far is not a great start to the season. I mean, Missouri State realistically should be beating ISU. So, you know, it's quite surprising for them to have, like, a this slow and sluggish start. In that game, uh, Isaiah Mosley, part of their two-headed monster, he really struggled. He was 5 for 17. He had 12 points. He did have six assists. But uh, Prim and Mosley combined for 12 turnovers. They had six apiece. So, again, just turning the ball over, they gave ISU those easy 
just more chances, uh, more opportunities. Uh, and uh, as we when we talk about BYU, uh, their coach clearly wanted to change things up because uh, they were just struggling uh, to uh, open up against. Uh, they struggled to open against BYU. Yeah, I'm looking at Missouri State right now. They uh, we talked about how they should be, or you talked about Ken, how they should be probably a little better than four and four. They started off the season three and one, and now they've lost three of the last four. They lost by one to Eastern Tennessee State. Um, they beat George Washington, and then they lost to Illinois State, and then we can move on to this next game where they lost to twelfth ranked BYU. Uh, that game was a little interesting. Uh, Jacob, you talked about this before the podcast. Uh, it looked like early you said they went uh, BYU went on a five zero run. And then they took out Prim and Mosley, and Mo- or Prim went back into the game. Prim ended up with 17 points and six rebounds in that game. He played about 27 minutes, I think we figured it out. But Mosley only played eight minutes that entire game. He went 0 for 2 from the field in just, or seven minutes in that game. And he struggled these last two games, but I wonder if having him on the floor might have been a different story. Yeah, that was something that stood out. Mosley only seven minutes. Um, it's pretty in- interesting. Um, something else, we talked about Donovan Clay being the third guy for Missouri State. Um, two of ten this game, thirty-four minutes, but only six points. Not very efficient. Um, but players stepped up off the bench. Uh, part of my pronunciation: Lucy Patterson and Jalen Minette both came in and had good games. Uh, Minette five of twelve from three. That's he's the only person that was knocking down three-point shots for the uh, Bears. So, um, but it was it was just another tough loss to uh, BYU. I mean, just just another loss that you know makes you scratch your head a bit. I think it is a tad reassuring, though, like you mentioned with Minnett and Patterson. You, you have those other guys who they clearly stepped up because I don't think any of us expected for Mosley to play seven minutes. Um, now it is it remains to be seen if this is something that he plans to sh- do in the future to shake it up a little bit so no one gets too com- so no one on their team gets too comfortable. But I I, I, th- I think it is reassuring for them that they have guys that can score besides just Prim and Mosley because coming into the year that's where we thought the bulk of their scoring was going to come from because that's that's how it's been uh but I, I think going forward again they lost by six to number <clears throat> to BYU's ranked 12 now the ISU loss that is one that is kind of pretty much inexcusable the BYU loss is understandable I I think losing by six uh coming off of that loss to ISU I'm not going to say it's a great feeling but they're at least competitive. They were at least competitive against BYU. They didn't lay down after a tough loss against ICU. Yeah, we talked about Prim and Mosley being the bulk of their scoring, and that is has been the case. The two combined are averaging almost 36 a game, and then you do have Minette, who uh, hasn't started a game yet, yet he's third in scoring at 13.8. So that's going to be a big help for them as they uh, finish up non-conference play and then eventually get into conference play here. But, yeah, you guys are right. I mean, they, sh- they should probably be doing a little better than what they are right now. They've had some tough losses, but I, I really think they will bounce back. Uh, we'll see what happens. They return to action uh, on Wednesday, and they go to Little Rock. So now we can talk about the team who is winning the MVC right now, Loyola Chicago. They're 6-2, 1-0 in conference play. They started off conference play with a win over Indiana State. In that game, they were extremely efficient as a team, 58% from the field. 44% from three, 84% on free throws. They had 26 bench points. We talked about this. I know I talk about this a lot. Next man up is a big thing that I talk about, and it's rare that they have one player who's consistently their leading scorer. I mean, I think Lucas Williamson, he would be the consensus best player on that team, just doing a little bit of everything. 
but everyone does stuff. Marquise Kennedy in that game had 16 points. He shot 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Chris Knight had 13 points. So I think I think Loyola Chicago is a dangerous team because just about everyone is able to score, and their defense is just ridiculous. Yeah, just Loyola Chicago is so good. I mean, they've won 27 straight games on their home floor overall. It's incredible. Um, first half was rather close uh, between them and uh, – Indiana State, uh, 39-30 at half, but second half, they just they just went off. Um, it's just an, another incredible incredible game from Loyola, Loyola Chicago. You mentioned uh, Lucas Williamson, and uh, in the last two games versus Indiana State, he led him in scoring a 20, and then versus uh, DePaul, he had 15. But you also brought up Chris Knight. He had 13 in both of those games. And then uh, – Marquise Kennedy uh, versus Indiana State had 16, 8 of 9, of the, uh, went 8 of 9 from the free throw line. So, yeah, their, their scoring can really come from anywhere, which I think is great for them because if one guy doesn't have it going, they can easily they can, they can, they'll find someone else. Uh, versus Indiana State, they shot 26 of 31 from the free throw line. They uh, shot 20 more free throws in Indiana State, so that's clearly where they got that advantage because they won by 12. With them, you can see that they're attacking, but we also know how efficient they are from the three-point line. I believe they're one or two. They're shooting. I know they're shooting around forty percent. So we all expect. I think most of expected them to be to finish in first, and it looks like they're headed that way. So I don't know. There's not much to say. We. I, I think most of us expected this. Yeah. Just just one quick thing. Sorry to interrupt you, Scotty. They shot sixty-eight point four percent, thirteen of nineteen from the field in the second half in the Indiana State game. That is absurd efficiency that's just really good <laughs> we talked about their defense like i said indiana state they allowed indiana state to score 76 points which isn't really a lot i mean compared to what some of these teams are allowing that's nothing but compared to their average it is a lot they're only allowing 63 points per game but i think the big thing to look out for and i i wouldn't look at that too much because i think conference games this year are going to be battles i think that there's just there's a different energy last year after that shortened season, so I think these conference games are going to be something to look out for. But like we talked about, after that win against Indiana State, they went to DePaul, um, 49% from the field. They did shoot a little worse from three, just 28%, 73% on free throws. And once again, you, like you stated, uh, 15 points for Lucas Williamson. Uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about Ahir Uruak, I believe is how you pronounce it. 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He shot a perfect 3 or 3 from the field. And then once again, Marquise Kennedy, he didn't score a whole lot, but he does a little bit of everything for that team there. Yeah, um, this was a really good game. Uh, Loyola giving DePaul their first loss of the season. Um, they're, be like, yeah, their defense this game really was just out, outstanding. And again, again in the second half, they made they made big plays. Um Limiting DePaul to just 34.5%, 10 of 29, and 1 of 10 from three-point range. Um, just really good defense. Like, this team just seems to lock in, and they just put it on you. And it's either you can't score or we're going to outscore you. And it's just another great win, especially against DePaul. Loyola still looks like the team to beat this year. Yeah, I would, I would say just one thing to point out. I was looking at their stats, so... When you look, they've played eight games, so and they've outscored their opponents by 83 points in the first half. So they're averaging outscoring their opponent by 10 points, being up by 10 points at halftime. That's got to be, that's just insane to me. I mean, in 20 minutes, you're able to get a 10-point lead against, and it's not like they've played an easy schedule at all. I mean, I know they have Michigan State. They played they played uh, Indiana State conference game, and then DePaul was undefeated going into that. So Loyola Chicago, like you guys have said, and like we say every week, I feel like they're definitely the team to beat in the NBC, I feel. 
So now we can go ahead. We can talk about Drake. Is who I, or not Drake? Yeah, Drake. I want to talk about next. So Drake right now is five and three. They're I believe they're second in the Missouri Valley Conference. If I'm right yep. about that. Yep. Yep. They're second. Yep. So Drake has a big loss. Um, in before the game, I believe it was their last game. They lost Roman Penn. He's going to be out indefinitely with a small fraction that's left foot, um, which is actually the same foot he had surgery on last year. Um, that's a huge loss. Roman Penn is, I think we can all agree, is probably the best player on that Drake team. And when you lose a player like that, especially with probably about a month here until conference play starts, maybe a little less, uh, that's it's tough for them. And like we said, Drake is 5-3 and three at this point. I believe they're 1-0 in conference. So I, I wouldn't look... I don't give up on them yet because I know they have some t- good players. Uh, Tucker DeVries is a freshman. He's played some great basketball up to this point. Uh, Tremel Murphy has played some good basketball, but Drake is going to have their work cut out for him going ahead. Yeah, so far this season, Penn was tied second on the team when prior, prior to injury and prior to the game. Um, he was tied for second on the team with points scored at 64, and he was first in assists. And he had also played the most minutes of any Drake player for throughout, I think it was six games, the first six games. Um, yeah, just a really bad loss for them. Um, I mean, I know they came back and they beat Val, or they made sure they beat Valparaiso and they followed that up with the win against St. Thomas, but against some of the bigger teams and just throughout the regular, the rest of the regular season, they're going to be missing Penn a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I think one thing that uh, is great to see again with what we've seen with uh, some of the teams is just players stepping up. And in their last two games against Valparaiso and St. Thomas, you saw that uh, you mentioned Tucker DeVries. He had le- uh, uh, he and DJ Wilkins versus uh, Valparaiso, they had 11 points each. You mentioned Murphy as well. He had 10 points as well. Uh, versus St. Thomas, DeVries led them with 21. Shanquan Hemphill had 21. Garrett Sturt, I think Sturt's... Uh, Important 17 and Wilkins with 12. So, I mean, when you look at that box score, you're just seeing scoring from everywhere again. So, that the pen loss is going to be huge. I think we know that. Um, but, I again, it is great to see that people are stepping up in his absence. I, they, I think it bodes well for them, uh, but it, it's definitely going to be a big loss. Uh, just one quick thing. Um, I don't think Drake came out and said when Penn – did they say when Penn suffered the injury? So – Based on what I'm reading in this article, I think he played. He played 34 minutes against Valpo. So my yeah, guess is and that afterwards he, he was went. yeah his. It was uh, not like what was it four points, three rebounds, five assists, like not blocking a seal, not though. really good. So a bit curious to when he maybe suffered this and maybe he even went through the Valpo game playing a bit injured. Well, my I'm wondering if this might be um, like go back to his surgery like i mentioned and i wonder if it's just something like or maybe yeah maybe he was never fully healthy to begin with i that, mean that's that that, that's that's case. a very good point so just 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 something that seemed a bit off to me and it's like they, they never came out and said when he was actually like when he suffered the injury so yeah. but no big loss for uh the drake bulldogs yeah like we said uh it's an indefinitely so we don't know an actual time span they said they will reevaluate him in a couple weeks but in the meantime uh there's gonna be some young players that are gonna need to step up for drake here uh, so now we can move on to Bradley, who I was looking forward to talking to because um, Bradley started off the season one and five. They did not have a great start at all, but the, now they've won three in a row, and one of those was a conference game against you and I, who was predicted to finish, I believe, third in the conference. But so Bradley, their last three games, they beat Maine, 
by 32. They beat Northern Iowa by two. I was paying attention to that game while the ISU Missouri State game was going on. Terry Roberts hit a big layup there to win, or go up by two, and then AJ Green missed a three. Um, and then they beat uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville by 25. I believe that was Saturday. So Bradley's looking a lot better now after that one and five start. Uh, like I said, that UNI game, they shot 46% from the field, 35% from three. They did only shoot 62% on free throws. You're going to bring that up, but luckily they did get the win. Uh, they turned the ball only 11 times and then 23 bench points, which is always solid. But like I said, Terry Roberts, 20 points, two rebounds, three assists, a steal. Shot nine of 18 from the field, and he had the game-winning layup with four seconds left. A couple other players to look out for. Ville, and part of my pronunciation, Tavanainen. Tavanainen. He had 14 points, four rebounds, one assist, and he shot four of eight from three, which is a solid stat line for him. But I think Bradley's really starting to pick it up here, and hopefully they can uh, continue that. Yeah, Bradley's been on a little bit of a run, like you said, three-game win streak. Um, I know the players you mentioned, Terry Roberts has been critical, uh, averaging 15 points, four re- uh, three rebounds, and about four assists. Uh, someone else, though, uh, r- pardon my pronunciation again, Rink Mast. Um, he's one of the NBC top rebounders, and, you know, we always talk about scoring and assists, but rebounds are still an underrated part of the sport. And, you know, he's been able to crash the boards both offensively and defensively for them. And, uh, you know, just an underrated player for this Bradley side as they go on a three-game win streak. Yeah, you mentioned the rebounding right now. They rank first in the NBC uh, in that stat with 41.6 a game. Uh, I want to bring up their defense versus SIUE. They had 10 blocks and uh, 13 steals. They forced SIUE to shoot 16 for 58 from the field, which is 27%, and then 2 of 18 from 3. So th- their defense starting out has been really good. I think I can't remember for sure, but I think yeah they rank, okay they rank fifth in points allowed at sixty six point one. So they're in the uh, middle of the pack. Their scoring has been down with uh, seventy point six a game, but again they have a, a positive. Uh, trying to think of what the scoring margin. Yeah, scoring margin. Yeah, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. But so you at least want to see that it's not in the negatives. Uh, but yeah, defensively lately they they've looked good. Actually, just touching on the defense, um, the only times they've only let up over 70 points three times this season to opposing teams, which is phenomenal. I might be overreacting about this. I was looking at their stats. Their free throws this season, they're shooting less than 62%. They're 98 of 159, which to me is not, not that great. I mean, missing 60 free throws in less than 160 attempts, I mean, that's if, I realize they're four and five. They're on the three-game win streak, but they got to start making free throws, especially in crunch time. Especially if like they have that late lead and people are following them, they have to be able to make those late free throws if they want to be able to hold on to those leads. But we can move on to their other game, Southern Illinois Edwardsville. Just touch on this real quick. Uh, once again, Terry Roberts led the team in scoring, and then you talked about we believe it's Rink Mast. He had another great game: nine points, nine rebounds, three blocks, two steals, a perfect four or four from the field. That's he's going to be a big help for them. I mean, when you have that post presence like that, it's going to help you a lot. Yeah, and someone else who had a good game, Jason Kent, um, four of six from three, uh, thirteen points overall. Just a great game. Uh, free throws, uh, they missed ten free throws, eighteen of twenty-eight. So, like you said, that's something to something to keep an eye on. Um, that could potentially like make or like break like them. That could make or break them. Like if that's ten points, ten free points missed out on, um, that that swings games. Like the age-old saying, free throws win and lose games. So, I mean, that's going to be a big part for them. So, last team I think we should touch on today, uh, UNI. UNI has had a tough start to the season. With A.J. Green coming off the injury, UNI stands at 2-5, and 0-1 oh, in conference. We talked about that loss to Bradley. 
But in that loss to Bradley, A.J. Green had 30 points, a rebound, three assists. He shot 11 of 18 from the field, so pretty efficient, and 5 of 9 from 3. Uh, he had some help from Noah Carter, 20 points, 4 rebounds, uh, 7 of 14 from the field. And then Trey Burrow, who we've talked about a couple in the past weeks, had a rough game, 2 points, 6 rebounds, 2 steals. He shot 1 of 5 from the field in 36 minutes. So A.J. Green is obviously the heart and soul of this team in terms of whether they can win or lose games. I think what his performance is going to definitely determine their success. But they're, they're going to really need to want to turn it around here soon before conference play starts because they they have a tough schedule. I get that, but you also have a tough conference schedule. I mean, you're at the top of the conference. You have a lot of expectations. You're going to have a target on your back. So I'd, I'd look out for them what they do the rest of the year. Yeah, a tough loss against Bradley, um, losing on a uh, final layup at the buzzer. Um, something that came up, though, when I was just looking at the overall game, Bradley went on a, like a 13-0 run to end the half. That, like, you can't let that happen. Like, just just, just stuff like that. Basketball is, a, is for the most part, is a game of runs, and a 13-0 run, especially at the end of the half, I mean, you have to pretty much tear up your team talk and... You know, it's just it was just bad. That's a bad loss for you and I. Yeah, definitely agree. And you brought up that scoring run. Right now, their defense uh, ranks eighth and giving up the most points at seventy. So, yeah, a thirteen zero scoring run, ten and a half. It's just gonna it's gonna switch the game. It's gonna flip it. Um, touch on AJ Green. Yeah, AJ Green again. He's averaging sixteen points, but he's shooting thirty eight percent. So it's not very efficient right now. Uh, you hope he can kick that up to in the upper 40s. Uh, but right now, yeah, they're struggling. Two and five, expected to play a lot better than what they are now. Um, you would hope this next month they kick it into gear. But uh, well, right now, they're just struggling. Okay, I think we're good. And then I, I personally would just like to touch on women's basketball just to go over what Illinois State has done up to this point so far this season. Um, they have had a tough start, but they haven't had an easy schedule. I went to the game last night, and I talked to head coach Kristen Gillespie about this. Uh, they've had a tough non-conference schedule. They played Purdue, very tough team. They just played Dayton. They lost to Dayton by uh, 11 there, and I was at that game. They It didn't look like they were in that game. That second quarter, they got beat pretty badly. They Dayton could not miss. I, it was insane to watch. But then that third quarter, it showed why Illinois State's picked to finish fourth in that conference because – they have a lot of fight in that team, and they have an explosive offense at times. Mary Crompton was like 0 for 6 from 3, and then in the third quarter, in the last like two minutes, she made four threes, I think it was, and the place was erupting because they tied the game, and then they were only down by two at the end of the third quarter. They were just unable to keep up with it, and I think Illinois State, their, their record is misleading because they've had a really tough schedule. They played NIU, they played Purdue, they played Dayton. These teams are not easy they're not, like, just gimme. So, they're, obviously, they're going to pick it up a little bit here as they get into conference in January. But I I think Illinois State's going to be a team to watch out for. I think they have a lot of potential with what I've seen so far. I know the record doesn't show up, but I think they're definitely better than what it shows. Um, so, I think that's everything. Um, I'm not sure if we will be recording next week with Barn Break, so I don't know how that would go exactly. But, uh, overall, uh, I think that was a good week. For Illinois State, I know they had the tough loss to Jackson State, but that win over Missouri State was pretty big. So make sure in the meantime to follow us on at Vidette underscore sports and our actual just plain Vidette account at underscore the Vidette. Um, and uh, roll birds.